Welcome, everyone, to this pre-Christmas edition of BAMS Radio. We are back. We took a little sabbatical, but Drew DeArmond here with my two cohorts and co-hosts from the Port City of Mobile, Thomas the Wizard Watts, keeping us on the air with his analytical takes. We've got some takes today that should be strong. And, of course, from 89 to 93, William Redfish Barger, a 1992 national champion who always has his ear to the ground when it comes to the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Guys, I guess that the first topic, William, is uh, the bowl game coming up. And pleasant surprise, uh, now things can change. No, they don't play till December the 31st. But all indications are no opt-outs for the University of Alabama, which is quite frankly astonishing in this climate. I, I would have thought three or four were coming. And, of course, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, uh, you know, Brian Branch, who's now climbed into the first round projections, Jameer Gibbs. But – None so far, and uh, speaks a lot to the culture with Nick Saban. But, uh, you know, I really uh, only became 55-45 they were playing until the night before because everybody else was releasing all these statements. I kept thinking last week and leading up to, uh, you know, to the uh, this Monday, that uh, this past Monday, that there would be some word out of Tuscaloosa. There was no word, everything. And then you get to the night before the the, uh, the uh, practice uh, starts, the bowl practice, the preparation, and there's still no word. And you start thinking, well, maybe they're going to play because they would have released a statement. And sure enough, they're playing uh, pretty stunning, I think, that Alabama may have their whole squad uh, in New Orleans, William. Yeah, and, and, you know, let me say this. The the, the two biggest surprises to me are obviously uh, Young and, and uh, Anderson. Um, you know, if this would have been a college football playoff game, um, you know, I, I would understand it a little bit more. And look, and I'm not taking anything away from the kids. I appreciate their, you know, competitive spirit and their desire to, you know, finish things out, um, you know, with their teammates. But it's it's a, it's an awfully risky proposition, especially for, you know, Bryce. It's got the shoulder the shoulder problem. Uh, but hey, more power to them. I'm glad to you know have one more chance to watch both of them play. Yeah, and Thomas, I'll bring you in because this is pretty major. I mean, uh, this is something we never thought we would see, especially with a guy like Bryce. I mean, you look at Todd McShay's latest, uh, you know, projections, and he's got him going number one overall to the Houston Texans. Uh, Will, he's got going, I think, in the top five. Uh, I want to say third to Chicago, but. Uh, these are two guys that, you know, have a lot at stake, but they've decided to strap it up as captains along with Jordan Battle and play in this game. Well, and I think I think that everybody who has chosen to play deserves all the credit in the world. It would have been easier, and frankly, it would have probably been more fiscally responsible to not play in this game. But I'm never going to knock somebody – for putting the group that you signed up to be a part of ahead of yourself. I think that's something that should be appreciated even outside of Alabama. Now, the other side of this, which I find very interesting, Drew and William, is there's a pretty serious indictment of how bad the Alabama coaching staff screwed this up. And what I mean is – if you have guys that are so into the team side of things that they are willing to take, again, we're talking about multi-million dollar gambles. Now, yeah, they're going to have yeah. insurance policies and yada yada yada. I get that, but you know they're making they're taking these large, 
very large gambles, as you said, William. That means that particularly, you know, I have to eat a little bit of crow pie because I've been slamming on some of the culture stuff, at least in that locker room. But now it really spotlights the coaches for not being able to put these players that were, I mean, pretty all in on the team in positions to succeed. And, you know, I think that radically changes the narrative of this season and underscores that something's got to give. I think we all agree that Bill O'Brien, thank you for your service. Go have fun in the NFL. Uh, Pete Golding, I don't know how you keep him, quite honestly, but you need to have a slam dunk behind, you know, coming behind him. You don't want to go, like, on a take a flyer on a guy. But then the position coaches, you know, we've slammed Freddie Roach. Um, I'm always going to stand up for Holman Wiggins because I got to talk to the guy, and I think he can. he's going to get those wide receivers right. But – you know, those are just some of the names. It's like there was something not right on that staff, and that has to get fixed because it darn sure now wasn't a player's issue. Yeah, there were some knuckleheads, and we're going to talk about potential transfer portal folks. But I think as excited as I am to see these kids play, and I've got my tickets to the Sugar Bowl, I'll be there with bells on. But, you know, as excited as I am to see that, there is something where it's like, huh. That's a pretty big narrative shift that needs to be discussed even more, Drew. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's really probably one of the most surprising things about this season. It's been so, you know, you know, I guess hard to read and follow anyway. I mean, it's really, really, really uh, just uh, you know, mind blowing in a way because everybody, everywhere else, you see all these opt outs, but I'm happy to see it. Uh, you know, I. It, we'll preview the Sugar Bowl probably next week and more in depth. But somebody asked me yesterday, you know, what do you think about the Sugar Bowl? What's what's Kansas State? Uh, you know, what, what they're they're the tough, physical, you know, disciplined football team. What are they going to do to Alabama? And I said lose thirty four seventeen because Alabama has you know all their guys. But we'll see. I mean, the, they certainly William kind of brought it up. The coaching staff has to be focused and. Uh, do, do do right by these players and, and get them ready to play these guys. Hopefully that'll give them some energy to do that. Hopefully some of them are coaching to their next destinations. In other words, to impress some people uh, to move out of town. We'll see. Uh, certainly I still expect changes to be made. Uh, our good friend, William and I both know Aaron Suttles really well. He was the first one to kind of come out and say no opt-outs, but then they are, there would be changes coming. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, so far, I mean, I think we've had 13 transfer portal guys for Alabama, and I'll just say on this show uh, from really good sources that there's only one dude uh, that this Alabama staff, I think, is really concerned about leaving, and it's the guy that I wanted to toe the line and get his head screwed on and and play, and that's Aaron Anderson. Uh, Now, he could come back out of the portal, but I don't think that'll happen. We'll see, though. I don't want to say after what I just saw with with Bryce and, and, uh, and, of course, Will and and even Branch and guys like Gibbs that, hey, could he come back? Potentially, but I doubt it. Uh, but, again, I think even Amari Kite, which kind of mildly surprised me, uh, but I think Alabama feels like they're going to be okay on the offensive line. Uh, and that brings in another point about uh, – we'll see about Caden Proctor. Um, you know, he visited this weekend. He's the maybe the top tackle in the country from Des Moines, Iowa. Alabama's putting on the full-court press. We'll see, you know, what ultimately happens there, but I think they feel pretty good about it. But again, in the NIL era, it can change in an hour. So 
hopefully, you know, if Alabama got good news there, that would be huge. And William, uh, I know that Alabama's had probably more tackles than anybody in the country when you talk about Cam Robinson, Jonah Williams. Uh, you talk about Evan Neal. You talk about all these studs that they've had coming to the program. Andre Smith, even before, right before Saban, they've had more first-year guys come in ready to play and start than anybody ever. And I think this kid could be added to those in Caden Proctor. I think whether it's right, whether it's left, you know, you got J.C. Latham back, but Tyler Steen gone. But that that when you're connecting dots, if Alabama could get Caden Proctor, that would be huge. Yeah, and, and, you know, I'm kind of on the fence with him, too, Drew. I think he's got more of a right tackle body um, right, right now. And, and um, you know, certainly the level of competition that he plays against in Iowa is, you know, makes it a little bit more difficult just to, you know, flip on huddle and, and try and make that call. But but certainly if they could add him um, – and, and, you know, throw him, I mean, I think obviously whether he's at right tackle or left tackle, J.C. Latham's going to be starting somewhere um, next year. But, you know, the the, the guy that, that, you know, everybody's been whispering about for the last couple of months is Elijah Pritchett. Yeah. Um, now, he, he does have more of a left tackle body um, than the other two. He's got just a ridiculous wingspan, got those prototypical, um, you know, long, long arms. And, you know, I think he's going to have a say in, in one of those jobs, um, whether it's, you know, him and Proctor competing. But, you know, if they could get Proctor, um, you know, certainly that would add some depth, um, regardless of who wins that job. Um, you know, because basically they had their, you know, we just got they talking about the top um, backup, in my opinion, in, in Amari Kite. Um, don't think he's ever going to be a top-shelf starter at the SEC level, but a very, very dependable uh, backup guy that can play multiple positions. Um, you know, to me, so far, that that was probably the the biggest loss, in my opinion, through the portal, especially with what, you know, has happened with the other guys, you know, getting gone. But, you know, I, I think, too, I think Nick Saban's been out in front of the, the you know, the one-year exemption. Um, you know, where you can sign as many kids as you want to this year, but you've still got to come up with 85 in August. And so, you know, that's something that they – and still, um, you know, saving you a few spots to maybe evaluate during bowl practice and spring practice and see if you need to, you know, go to the portal and add a couple guys here and there. So, you know, that's that's something that he's always managing. And the good thing is that checkbook doesn't have to balance until August. But, yeah, if they could get – you know, I think the Proctor situation, um, I think they came very close to getting him uh, back in the summer when he committed to Iowa. And, and certainly if that's where he chooses to stick, um, from a Caden Proctor standpoint, you know, if he's as good as advertised, he's going to go in the first round wherever he ends up. But the, the rest of the stuff, you know, he's never going to have an opportunity at Iowa. Um, to, to compete for a national championship the way he will at Alabama, probably not even a conference championship. But, you know, if he doesn't choose to come to Alabama, you, you can't bash the guy. But it seems like his mother um, is, is bought in on, on the Nick Saban's process and a lot of the things that he does for these kids away from the football field. So, you know, certainly between 3 p.m. on Sunday and, and Wednesday for National Signing Day, it's certainly something to pay attention to.
It is, and, and I, I will just say this. We've seen what Nick Saban did when, when they, 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 they tweaked the bump rule. He figured it out with video conferencing. And helped him get, you know, guys like Tony Brown, who was a five-star and convincing his parents that he could, he was going to do right by their son, which he did. I mean, the kid got a degree. The kid went to the NFL. And even if it was the bumpiest road you ever saw. And then, you know, uh, with the hurry up, no huddle, when he, when he realized that they were going to be slow to tweak the rules, he changed his offensive philosophy. Um, you know, and he, and he reset, and now he's about to reset again. But I'll just say this: he always says, "Is this what you want football to be?" And he's he always adapts, and I think he's going to adapt to the NIL world. I don't think he's going to become Miami or even Tennessee or some of these schools that are paying outrageous amounts allegedly to these kids. But I think he's going to play the NIL game in certain cases, and wouldn't surprise me if it was here and. Even uh, we'll see what happens in Montgomery with Quay, with Quay Rousseau and James Smith. Uh, you know, both of them, uh, you know, will have their decisions on the December the 21st. So we'll see. Uh, I, I just know from hearing some things in the last few days, it seems seem to be things seem to be shifting and take with that what you will. But I think uh, Nick Saban is determined to keep this recruiting class together. Certainly it's positive that Justice Haynes, uh, you know, did not even have, see Georgia in home. It uh, looks like Caleb, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Downs is, uh, you know, is solid and uh, he may be the best player in the country. So and, and then, you know, Alabama would still like to add another tight end to this class, another corner. It looks like they're, if you look at uh, Demari Brown from American Heritage, I think he's a guy to watch at the cornerback spot. I got late word right before I came on with you guys, uh, you know, for uh, I believe his name's Luke Hines uh, or Luke Haynes. I, uh, He's a tight end committed to Arkansas. He's another guy to watch. So, again, I feel like Kenny Stabler because, hell, half these kids' names I can't pronounce anymore. But just uh, do with that what you will. If you've been – a lot of our listeners follow recruiting very closely, and his name has been one that's been bandied about uh, a lot. And and Arkansas has lost some assistant coaches. You know, they uh, they certainly have uh, – they've lost their tight ends coach went to South Carolina as, a, as the offensive coordinator. They lost Barry Odom. Uh, so, uh, you know, Sam Pittman's staff has undergone some change. So we will see. But it looks like Alabama's still got a better than 50 percent shot uh, to uh, sign the uh, top class in America. Well, and let's let's just do this, Drew. Let's just call a spade a spade when it comes to uh, Caden Proctor and and, and enact the Tua Tungavailoa family rule and just move the whole damn family down here from Iowa. Get them an NIL deal with two men in a truck, make the move right. for free. Um, you know, find some NIL-related jobs for mom and whoever else is running around up there. But, um, you know, I think one, one thing that I heard, I, I can't remember now if it was you or Thomas, touch on in, in regards to Bryce and Anderson, and it's something that I, I learned from a buddy of mine that's in the sports agent business, these insurance policies that these kids get. Um, you know, everything, everything looks great on paper until something happens and it goes time to collect. Um, they, they will, you know, unless you're basically on disability level type stuff, you know, they take you to court. Um, they fight it every step of the way. Um, and, and it's fact, it's, it's, it's actually created a competitive market back in my day. The only one that was doing it was Lloyd's of London. 
and and they're the ones that kind of created the uh, the competition in that you know marketplace with insurance policies uh, because they were the ones that would tie you up in court and there's other companies that are doing it now but i you know i just don't want the listeners to think that if something god forbid were to happen to you know one of these players playing in a bowl game you know it's not as simple as you showing up at their office you know, a week after tearing your ACL or blowing your shoulder out and, and filling out some paperwork and getting compensated. It's a lot more detailed and in-depth than that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Go ahead, Thomas. Well, I mean, fair enough. And I'm not saying that they're going to be guaranteed money. It's just there is a hedge there. Um, and, 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 well, and, and Thomas, the, the, the biggest hedge, which I'm always pro- player on, on the side of the argument now at least the players don't come ha- don't have to come out of pocket for the premium the university can pay that premium for them yeah that was a development from a few years ago and you know drew you did touch on something i will i'll do a more detailed breakdown of kansas state versus alabama but if alabama comes in loaded you know all their guys and gives a damn about the game which frankly they should K-State's a good team, and I think that the Vaughn character, the running back, is, yeah. is, is going to cause trouble for this Alabama defense. But Alabama is still hyper-talented by comparison. Right. And, man, I know that the line's already jumped because of Alabama bringing new guys in. And or you bringing new old guys. guys, new old guys. <laughs> well, I mean, and again, this goes back to what I said a few weeks ago. This looked like to me an extra spring practice. Let's see what Milrow can do with a bunch of first team reps. See what Ty Sims can do with first team reps. Well, that's now out the window, but you know, the line's already shifted more towards Alabama. This is one of the few times that I do expect Alabama to cover that line. I would, I think Alabama, like you said, I think they're 10 points, 14 points better. And you know, that, that's a great springboard. And, you know, suddenly, you know, we keep talking about it, but after the Sugar Bowl, everything gets kind of crazy because of coaching changes. And, you know, Alabama will have had a chance to digest their uh, recruiting class and kind of refocus on that. And, you know, this offseason, to me, is going to be pretty fun. And, you know, I'm sure we'll say it after our show, after the Sugar Bowl, you know, how long is, is spring practice? You know, what, 90 days from Sugar Bowl Day to where spring practice rolls and we get to see what this team might look like? Uh, my overall thing is there's a lot to be excited about. Those insurance policies, uh, you know, every little bit helps as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, let, let's let's ride. Let's see, what, let's see what we got going on, frankly, Drew. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we'll see. I think the most important thing right now, of course, they got bowl practice going on. I think Saban's been really complimentary of the players' attitudes. But, of course, uh, again, I, I say that, but he's I've always had the underlying tone that he just did not care for the coaches. And so we'll see how the coaches prepare this squad and how they play. I mean, they're right now they're still on campus. And I was hearing today that they were going to scrimmage, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, Brad. Go ahead, William. No, I'm gonna say right there, Drew is is a uh, a pretty decent challenge for the coaching staff with all the uh, you know I'm just thinking about having a scrimmage today with all the departures along the offensive line. Um, 
you know, I don't even know if they've got enough players left on campus to have a 2D plus a scout team offensive line. There's going to be some guys playing multiple roles. Well, I'll just put it to you this way, William. This is the best way for me to put it. And right now they've had about – they've got nine available. And I've heard that a good friend of mine, good friend of my uh, – you know, he's, uh, of course, a member of the of my, my boss's family, and he's been down there. He's grinded. It was it was one of the most electric moments of the year when he got in to finish uh, that game earlier this year for the first time in his five five year career, really six years honestly, uh, because he redshirted and then came back. But I, I guess I guess honestly though he this was his fifth. But Jackson Roby has been getting some second team reps at center because of all the people leaving. So because Tanner Bowles is one of those centers and he's gone. So and he and I think Tanner's going to Kentucky. So, you know, yeah, they, he is. so they, he's been getting second team reps. And again, he's a walk on, but he's grinded his ass off. But, you know, heck, Jackson, Jackson Roby's getting reps. So they, they really don't have a lot of guys right now and got to keep them healthy. And so uh, I, now I, the, the guys that are going to the senior bowl, I think they're all playing the Steens and all that kind of thing. But, you know, they haven't had, it's just the backups, the Amari Kites, the Tanner Bowles, the, and then now JV and JV and Cohen's going to Miami. So that was announced today. So it'll definitely be Tyler Booker starting, but I, I'm happy for that because I think Booker is a, a better player than JV and Cohen, just quite frankly. So again, it, it, but you're right. They're going to have to manage this interestingly with the reps and practice and stuff. You want to keep everybody healthy for the game because this is just not a, 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 the, the same kind of two deep. You just don't have as many guys available. Uh, Tommy Brockermeyer gone as well. James Brockermeyer, interestingly, staying, but, uh, you know, we don't even know how healthy he would be to play in the game. So uh, it's going to be very important, uh, certainly for Seth McLaughlin to be healthy and Darian Dalcourt. So at least they still do have two centers. But they, when I'm telling you about Jackson getting reps is because, once again, they had a flu, uh, you know, epidemic hit the team, and they were without 20-something guys working out during the – uh, before bowl practice, and that's why Jackson Roby was getting reps. So it's just one of those things that's going to be very interesting to manage even once they get to New Orleans to finish preparation. No, absolutely. And, you know, just sitting here just thinking off the top of my head, um, you know, with Amari Kite's departure, um, you know, I think that pretty much if he's – you know, if he was good enough to play, healthy enough to play against Austin P. Um, I would imagine your de facto second team left tackle going into the Kansas State game is going to be Elijah Pritchett. Yeah, and, it, and that's another thing to piggyback off of when they just made that ro- that waiver where it sounds like you can still play and preserve your freshman years. So you're right. It, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And Thomas can chime in on this too because hell, I, I sometimes misinterpret the rules. But it sounds like a guy like Pritchett can play in this game and preserve his freshman year. Yeah, that's that's been one of those. So I, I always have a problem with those rules because I feel like they're going to just randomly change them. It's kind of like <laughs> on a whim. So yes, if my understanding of the policy is the same, it actually like the bowl game doesn't count as part of your redshirt games, which is bizarre. But yeah, now 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 the real question to me is, are, do you really think you're going to get? what would be four years out of Elijah Pritchett if he's as good as the rumbles say? I mean, well, no, but now you don't understand. No, it's, no. it's kind of, it's kind of like what, what, what they're doing is just 
to help teams this year because of all these freaking kids going into the portal and opting out because of what Williams said about being it being uh, you can sign unlimited guys. So these, yeah. these fools are going into the portal and it's a numbers game. You got to have enough guys to play in a game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with it. That is a problem yeah. when they're what like 1,500 kids in the Dadgum Portal. Yeah. But go ahead, William. Well. Well, no, no. What I was, as I sit here and stir the gumbo pot even more, um, you know, with Damian George uh, hitting the road. That's right. He's going uh, to, yeah. Good point. Now, now that I think about it, I mean, especially with Cohen being gone, um, you know, if, if something were to happen to, you know, uh, uh, you know, at left tackle or right tackle, I mean, I think I think uh, Pritchett may be the only scholarship guy left on the damn. Uh, uh, team that can do both. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. So if you get somebody nicked up, you hope JC's healthy. But yeah, you got to keep guys help. You know, got got to keep your numbers up. And certainly, no offense to Kansas State, I'm not throwing shade at them here, but they 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 don't have a lot of guys probably going into the portal. Not as many as others. They're a system program, and they're probably going to have more effing guys. And they're going to have it's going to be two teams with no opt outs probably because K State. Hell, they won the Big 12, and this Sugar Bowl is a huge deal to them. So they're still going to approach it, you know, very, very, uh, you know, business-like, and they'd love nothing better than to beat now even a full-strength Alabama football team, full-strength to the degree of the starters anyway. So we will see. So it's going to be really interesting to follow, no doubt about it, and uh, and definitely going to be some of the storylines uh, to finish. And then, like we said, uh, coming up this Wednesday is the first day of the signing period. Alabama trying to hold on to this number one ranked recruiting class. Certainly Georgia and Ohio State are not going away. Notre Dame as well. Notre Dame, though, I, you know, with, it, it basically comes down to this. If Alabama can get Caden Proctor, uh, if Alabama could get, uh, you know, Clay Russoff and James Smith, then Alabama is going to run away with this thing and have the, the top five, the top class in the country. Even, no matter if that they add uh, a tight end, no matter the corner, which I think they would, but I just think Alabama is going to run away with it. It's going to because that would be three more five-star prospects that Alabama would bring in, and it would be pretty remarkable considering all the angst with NIL, all the angst with Nick Saban. Can he handle this? And again, until Penn is put to paper, we can't say anything. But certainly, it looks like Nick Saban is more than holding his own, even with this climate. And it just shows to sh- goes to show you what we've been discussing. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to the lake anytime soon. He seems very energized by all this. Uh, and I just think Alabama uh, is uh, is poised to finish very, very strong. We will see. going to be an interesting next 48 to 72 hours. But Nick Saban always has a plan, and it looks like they're trying to execute that plan over the coming days uh, and get everybody uh, situated within the recruiting class. And so – it uh, could be a, a, another really good day for Alabama, potentially, guys. Yeah, and, and circling back to the NIL culture, Drew, I mean, there's, there's you know, two things that I've seen um, since our last show that really jumped off the page at me. And, you know, I, I, don't quote me on this. I think it was 1,300, 1,400 kids um, entered the portal in the, in the last cycle. Yeah. And 42% of them were not picked up by a school. So in, in, in essence, what you're looking at is, you know, several hundred kids 
that walked away from a free college education at their current schools and couldn't find another free education at a, you know, speculated upon landing spot for them. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's disturbing to me. And, and the other thing was I saw, and I don't, don't ask me the kid's name, but considering the, um, the figure that was thrown out there, I think Texas is, is one of the few schools that's paying, you know, whether you start or you're just, you know, on the team, you know, they've got an NIL collective set up where all their offensive linemen get $50,000 a year. And they quoted one player and they left his name <coughs> off as saying that he just couldn't make it financially on his 50K a year, his cost of attendance money, plus his football scholarship. He was still financially strapped. And I was like, man, you may need to go hire a freaking financial advisor if you can't make it when everything else is paid for, um, you know, with, with that kind of money rolling in on an annual basis. But, you know, this, this thing continues to evolve. Um, I, I do think you'll probably see some legislation in the coming years to try and, you know, at least keep it from becoming the wild, wild west. But it, it has presented just some really, really difficult and unique challenges to college football coaches, probably unlike anything they thought they would ever experience. Yeah, it's, it is a huge change. I mean, there's no, there's no question about it. It's a lot of headaches. You've got to figure this thing out. I think Alabama's biggest concern right now, they, they look like they're going to finish out recruiting, but they've got to, you know, get this coaching staff straight, especially defensively. Thomas has already kind of, you know, referred to that. I mean, we all knew B.O.B. would not be here a long time. I mean, he he has aspirations to be a head coach again. He could have gone to Georgia Tech. He did not. Former Alabama assistant Brent Key is now the head coach. Congrats to him. So, you know, Bill didn't want to take on that deal. I think he wants to be back in the NFL. I don't think he likes NIL. I don't think he likes the way college coaching is set up. But, of course, Nick Saban to me, and Thomas, I'm I'm kind of throwing this at you too, but – He's always kind of seemed to take this as a challenge and to be a problem solver. And, okay, it's almost like – and I know that, Thomas, you're one of the most intelligent people. I know it's kind of the way your brain works. How do I figure this out and conquer it? And it kind of seems like that's what Nick Saban's doing right now. Okay, they think they're going to drive me out of coaching. And it's going to be like Jay Wright, Roy Williams, and Mike Krzyzewski, and that I'm, I'm going to lose my edge. But I'm going to figure this shit out and prove it to everybody that I can get this solved and finish my career the way I want. I'll just go ahead and tell you, uh, this is the vernacular that I was used on this show, guys, is that Nick Saban told those around him, I, he didn't use these exact words, but this is the tone. I ain't going out like a bitch. So I'm going to figure this out. Well, and so a lot of what, you know, hyper-successful people can do, and I'm not saying I'm hyper-successful. I just, I know a bunch of them. Um, it's that something Thomas, can, you have more degrees on the wall than any of us combined. You're basically <laughs> a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I do have a wall of brag. That is a thing. But uh, wait a second, I've got two. I've got two PhDs in my family. Sadly, I'm not one of them. <laughs> and there you go. So, well, anyway, it, it's it, you know you want to you want to talk about what it takes. And, and this is this is a lot of the stuff that I see. Like, you can absolutely get frustrated with a circumstance. And I, I would be willing to bet if you held a gun to Nick Saban's head or you gave him some truth serum, a lot of a lot of stuff 
if you caught him in the moment, he hates this NIL thing because it's kind of bizarre. But Oh, he does. He hates it. And, but and he, he, he still has to solve it, though. Yeah, exactly. And that's the point. You can hate it, but you can't let your hatred of the thing distract you from doing the stuff you need to do to be successful. Yes, and ironically, I sound very much so like Nick Saban. And, you know, you, when, you, when you have a problem, you try a solution to a problem. Uh, it's kind of like how, if you remember, I think Nick Saban, in order to adapt to the hurry-up, no-huddle offense, he's changed the recruiting bodies, and he's gone pretty heavy with recruiters first, coaches second. And I think he went a little bit too far, which is why, you know, we're talking about the coaching staff. Who do we want to see? Well, you know, the, the, the Jeremy Pruitt albatross is still out there flying. Um, you know, we've, we've said on this program, get Sal Sinceri back on the field. Otherwise, he's going to be back on the field for someone else, and that's not acceptable. You know, Bo Davis continues to be a guy that can both develop and recruit at a high level. Now, I'm not saying they're all coming, but, you know, Nick Saban is going to keep messing with it and keep trying to figure it out because it at the end of the day, life is performance driven. Like I hate to be that guy. And you know, they're, they're the, the three socialists that listen to this program are going to light dog crap bags on my front door for saying this, but huh. you know, life is generally performance driven and you know, talk is cheap. Excuses are cheaper. So, you know, Nick Saban can hate NIL all he wants, but if he walks into his program, his radio program, his Thursday night coaches show, or his uh, spring scrimmage thing in front of the Red Elephant Club, and just says, "Well, God dang, guy! All right, guys, all right, guys. Here we got. Uh, we uh, nil sucks. I'm not doing this anymore." Well, that's gonna that that doesn't that's not gonna ring true to people. That's not gonna that's not the thing you need at the head of an organization. Can he feel that way? Absolutely. So, yeah, Nick Saban's going to want to figure it out. He's going to want to try and balance it. You know, we've seen Alabama not just throw bukus of money at a kid. You know, there hasn't been a a seven-figure offer that we know of to a high school kid. There's rumors of the Dalton Kincaid guy out of Utah, that tight end. But, you know, that's a that's an established high-level player. Nick Saban's doing a little bit differently. You know, we've talked about Texas A&M essentially, you know, backing up multiple Brinks trucks and blowing their locker room to bits. Nick Saban dodged that because he saw it happen in the NFL. So, I mean, Nick Saban's going to keep trying to figure it out. That's what's made him great. That's what's made him very adaptable. I mean, now think about it. This is probably the best way I can put it. Les Miles and Nick Saban were functionally the same coach until about 2013. You know, we're going to beat you to death with the run game. We're going to beat you to death with defense. The rules changed. Les Miles didn't adapt. Les Miles got cashiered from LSU. He never did anything of note at Kansas. I mean, that was a disaster on top of disaster. Whereas Nick Saban continues to flourish because Saban realized, I can't just punch and punch and punch and punch and punch. I've got to be able to score 50 sometimes. And we said this, we said that specific thing on this program more times than I care to count. And that sort of adaptability, that sort of what, what levers do I have to push, whether in my own head or with my coaching staff or with my recruiting, that's what he's always doing. You know, for Nick Saban and for a lot of successful people, life is a grand experiment. 
I'm going to try this. Okay, this didn't work. Screw that. I'm going to try this. This did work. Can we can we improve it? Okay, no. You're never the only thing that in in I would be willing to bet if you ask Nick Saban this, the only thing he can't stand is standing still. You know, he always wants to be tinkering with something. And that's what we're seeing. I think he's going to get it right. I think if this recruiting class, and I'm not a recruiting guy, so tell me if I'm wrong, guys. I think if this recruiting class is as good as, you know, many people in the recruiting industry think it can be, he's setting up for that last, you know, three, four, five-year run where he does go to the lake. Because you know, Nick Saban, I'm sure he, he loves coaching. He loves his job. He loves doing all that stuff, doing the multiple things that involve being a head football coach. But, you know, he's not immortal. There will be a point where he goes to the lake, and it will be a sad day in Tuscaloosa. But, you know, if you can get three, four, five, six years out of him, great. Um, and we'll see. But I think this class and some of the stuff that he's adapting to with NIL are going to set the stage. And I know we harped on it before, and I know I'm kind of going on a soliloquy here, so thank you, Drew and William. He's got the culture thing right if you convinced kids to take multi-million dollar gambles for the team. That ain't wrong. So that really holds him in good stead. And because we know he's going to keep iterating and keep fixing and keep tweaking, he'll get it right. And that's going to be, that should be really exciting for Alabama fans as we head into the Christmas season, Drew. Yeah. And then, like I said, CJ Dupree, uh, Dupree uh, transfer from Maryland. Alabama seems to be in strong shape for him. He's a tight end. I think he may take a couple more visits, but uh, Luke Hayes, this kid from Bixby, Oklahoma, he's committed to Arkansas. Uh, he's, but I, you know, hearing some things today that Alabama may be able to flip him from Arkansas. I think we would probably take both tight ends in hindsight, honestly, uh, because I'll just be blunt. You know, when you look at it, uh, they, they, I, the, you know, Elijah Brown's had some issues off the field. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Um, you know, and then they've had, uh, and I, I still think Hoots could be a, a pretty good player. Yeah, he had a good Iron Bowl, but you don't. And then you got Danny Lewis, uh, who's still on the squad. You've got, uh, you know, uh, Nye Black, but Nye Black's a different kind of guy. Uh, I just think overall, if they believe that they need a couple of tight ends, they would take a transfer probably and a high school kid. Uh, it's, again, it's for the numbers because you may see, uh, you know, some movement there as well, even after the bowl game uh, from the tight end position. So, and because Kim Randolph's gone, uh, you lose Kamla too. So you're losing guys that have played some for you. You still have, uh, of course, uh, you know, the Juco transfer that got a little bit of playing time early last year uh, from Hutchinson. So we'll see, uh, you know, if his role expands, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama, uh, you know, we're, we're to bring in a couple of tight ends. That's not going to surprise me because, again, I think also Saban's kind of going back to not completely going back to uh, joyless murder ball, as uh, Thomas likes to call it. But I think what he's doing is he's, uh, you know, he's he's wanting to get back to being more physical on the line of scrimmage. And the best way to do that uh, is to, uh, you know, uh, get back to uh, more in-line tight end guys, more guys that can, get movement along the running game, uh, along the line of scrimmage. And again, uh, they, and uh, another, you know, kid that I, and uh, that, they can see that Ty Lockwood from uh, uh, Thompson station in Tennessee, he's more of a inline tight end, but he's also, uh, you also have to understand too, 
if they're bringing in a, a Hayes and a, a Dupree, if they do that, the tight end position is a developmental position. A lot of times they don't play a lot as crew freshmen, especially if you're an inline guy. So we'll see. Uh, Kitzelman, again, is the JUCO that'll be back. And you would think he would be uh, definitely heavily involved next year. But physically, you got to make some strides. It's going to be interesting to see the physical strides Nye Black can make in the offseason. So going to be really interesting, no doubt, to see you know uh, how this goes. And hopefully Alabama – the one guy I guess everybody's concerned about because he, he visited Texas A&M this weekend is Tony Mitchell, but he's visited Texas A&M and Auburn multiple times. Hopefully Alabama already has a plan for this and is going to be able to hold on to Mitchell. He's a five-star from Thompson High School. Uh, you got to believe that they're going to be able to hold on to him, but we'll see. I haven't heard any indication that a flip is inevitable. I know people are you know watching it, though, very closely. And with Peter Woods, everybody wants to know that situation. I think that's that ship has sailed. Uh, I think he and his family are, uh, you know, locked been, in. With been Clinton's sailed since the summer. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting. Uh, I, it, it's just one of those things. Go ahead, William, and finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That that the the Peter Woods boat's been you know sailed since the summer. Yeah. But yeah. but you know, list, listening to you and Thomas talk about, you know, Nick Saban adapting. Um, you know, you know, two things come to my mind immediately in, um, 2008, I can remember having somebody on the staff tell me just how miserable it was, you know, to do an in-home visit with coach Saban because he, he basically had like, you know, Joe Biden-esque cue cards. <clears throat> Didn't have a teleprompter, but he had Joe Biden cue cards and, he wanted to know what color of plastic worm the kid fished with. Um, what, you know, is he still dating Carla or is he dating Cameron? And, and what's Cameron's favorite song? So, you know, it, he won the recruiting battles that way by being, you know, attention to details. But, but to me, I think the most significant thing where, where he not only showed his willingness to adapt but to give somebody else that had zero experience in, in the, the genre to do it was when he invited Lane Kiffin to come in as a consultant for bowl practice in, what would that have been, December of 13? Right, um, right. And, and, you know, Nick wanted to, you know, basically threw his sword down and said, look, I, I, I can't stop these teams, so I want to start doing it to other people. And, you know, he, he tasked Lane Kiffin with transforming his offense into a hurry up, no huddle with a dual threat quarterback. And, and Lane Kiffin laughed in his face. He said, coach, I'm a pro style guy. Um, don't have any experience at all with the hurry up, no huddle. And Nick goes, well, can't you pick up the phone and call some people that you know, to give you some advice. And, you know, Lane picked up the phone and made a phone call to Baylor. He made a phone call to TCU. And he made a phone call to Tom Herman to learn how to run out of that formation. And, and, and when you put that into you know, context, you know, think about Lane Kiffin's last two head coaching jobs before he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He was a pro-style guy at USC, and he was a pro-style guy at Tennessee. But look where Lane Kiffin is now as, as, a, as a play caller. There's no pro style involved whatsoever in what he's doing today at Ole Miss. And, and I think that marriage was one of the biggest 
know, Nick Saban basically saying, look, I don't know how to evolve or fix this, but I'm going to go find me somebody that does. And, and, and to put your trust into somebody, you know, that had been left on the tarmac um, as the head coach at USC, and that was the guy that kind of, you know, not only got the ball rolling for Alabama to get with the times offensively, but also that's when the quarterback evaluations and the recruiting of, of quarterbacks transformed. I mean, look, we, we can all sit here on, on, on Sunday at 325 p.m. and acknowledge that Jalen Hurts is going to get $100 million in the next calendar year, but let's don't forget it wasn't that long ago that the reason why Jalen Hurts had to start as a true freshman in 2016 was because of all the bad quarterback evaluations before he got on campus. And I think, you know, you you go to that Lane Kiffin-Nick Saban partnership, and it it went from, you know, post-A.J. McCarron to Blake Sims getting put out there, somebody that had never started a SEC football game in his life at quarterback, and there really hasn't been a lot of misses at that quarterback position since Lane Kiffin transformed that process. Yeah, there really hasn't. That's that's a good point. And uh, it, it's going to be, you know, uh, interesting to see where Nick Saban goes as far as offensive coordinator. Because I've heard no kind of, uh, you know, inclinations as to which direction he may be going this time. Uh, we heard, you know, you, William brought up a great point. You you already heard the the, the uh, rumblings about Lane Kiffin in thirteen a couple years ago. Bob was around the facility a lot, so we knew about that. Uh, we've been hearing a lot of Jeremy Pruitt buzz on defense. We'll see what happens there uh, if Pete Golding moves on after this bowl game, which I think we're all hoping he does. Good luck to Pete, but uh, he's uh, done a solid job at Alabama. But I think Alabama needs some new blood in there. Uh, and to take the defense in another direction. And so we'll see if that happens, no question about it. And uh, real quick, I know, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we've had a good show today. We've been talking a little bit of recruiting. And, again, to focus on it, I, you know, refocus. Alabama's at 25 commitments now. Um, you know, the only one that you hear any and – and I'm not even taking it seriously. I think Tony Mitchell's going to sign with Alabama. We'll see if I'm right. Uh, but he's the only one of Alabama's commitments that I think right now there's even some sort of hint of, uh, you know, nervousness about a little bit. Uh, I think Alabama is going to add, you know, four to five more guys. Again, as I told you, the positions are offensive tackle, tight end, um, the corner, and then uh, potentially a defensive lineman or two and a linebacker. So I, I, I think when it's all said and done, I wouldn't be surprised if it's five guys. Uh, and Alabama ends up with 30 commitments in this class. So we will see, no doubt about it. Uh, so, uh, But uh, I, I think those are the positions as we're, we're kind of winding our show down to focus on, on again, offensive tackle, tight end, corner, and then, uh, you know, defensive line and linebacker. I think those are the kind of the positions where Alabama's focusing. We've gone over, you know, who those guys are. But that's just to finish out the recruiting class. Then, you know, it, it, the focus is going to be on the Sugar Bowl. And then uh, after the Sugar Bowl post, and I've always said that the changes would come post Sugar Bowl coaching staff wise. And then I think it's time to focus on where the coaching staff goes. But real quick, too, before Thomas and William give their final thoughts, I wanted to give mine on the basketball situation. And for whatever reason, Alabama seems to not play as well in Birmingham, at least during the regular season. I hope they get a chance to prove it in Birmingham and the NCAA tournament. 
because the uh, first two rounds are in Birmingham this year. But Alabama falls to a really good Gonzaga team yesterday. Uh, Drew Timmy, the All-American, 29 and 10. Uh, you know, they, they those guys, uh, you know, uh, have a really good offensive club. They got into a, a, a rhythm. Uh, Anton Watson had 17 for them. Uh, then Hickman had 13. And then Strother and Bolton had 11. So they had a really balanced attack. And Smith had 12. So they had six guys in double figures. Uh, they shot nearly 60%. Alabama didn't defend nearly well enough. Alabama actually did not play poorly offensively. They shot nearly 52% themselves, made eight threes. But uh, they really – it was just basically the Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley show. They didn't get anybody else in double figures, and that was a key. Uh, but they lose 190. They're 9-2, and two, still going to be ranked in the top 10. They got Jackson State coming up on the 20th to close out pre-conference, and then they're going to be on the road at an undefeated and nationally ranked Mississippi State squad. So that's going to be a really interesting test for Alabama. Uh, and again, wasn't able to be there. I was in Memphis with Huntsville High Basketball, but I was watching the game. Tough one, but again, they lost to a quality opponent who I still think will be a two-seed uh, in the NCAA tournament in Gonzaga. So it's not a bad loss. In basketball, you're not going undefeated. It's how you handle failure. It's kind of like the same thing in baseball. So but again, I think you saw how good Brandon Miller can be, Jaden Bradley. Alabama's got to get their two best perimeter defenders back. Namari Burnett's out uh, for what was termed six to eight weeks. He's been out a little over a week uh, with a wrist injury. He had to have surgery after Houston. And then they still got to get in early January, hopefully get Dom Welch back to transfer from St. Bonaventure. So uh, Alabama basketball-wise, they got to get their perimeter defenders back. But still – I'm proud for the Bama Nation. There's 15,000 people there, most of them Bama fans, about 97%. Uh, so they, I appreciate that, that crowd coming out and supporting NATO's crew. Keep doing it in Coleman Coliseum. This is an extremely fun team to watch. And hopefully you're about to have some fun coming up on Wednesday, and we'll talk about that next week, the signing class Nick Saban is going to put on paper. And Thomas and William and I will have a more comprehensive preview of the Sugar Bowl. I know Thomas is going to delve into the numbers there and have a lot of things uh, personnel-wise to talk about, too, with Kansas State. Uh, but uh, we always appreciate everybody supporting us. And, uh, guys, I, I speak for everybody on our panel today. We want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas uh, and, you know, and uh, we and a great and a happy holiday season. And like I said, we'll come to you next week uh, right before Christmas to kind of break all this stuff down or, uh, you know, and, so, and, uh, and, and continue to talk Alabama athletics, no question about it. Uh, as you know, and I don't know if we'll do it Christmas day. We might have to do it maybe the day after, but again, we will, we do. That's why we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and everybody, all of our listeners, because again, we will definitely be breaking down recruiting soon. And we'll be breaking down and previewing the sugar bowl. Not sure the exact date yet, but very likely could be after Christmas. So for all of our listeners, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for continuing to support us and being so, uh, you know, energetic and so, uh, you know, complimentary of what we do because we do this for our love for Alabama football and athletics. But uh, for Thomas the Wizard Watts, for William Redfish Barger, I'm Drew Armand on this frigid Sunday in Huntsville, Alabama. Good night, everybody, and roll tide. <laughs>